0: Hello and welcome to Spotlight 32. Today we have the honor of talking to Technical Sergeant Christine Baptiste. Sergeant Baptiste, how are you doing?
1: Good, how are you?
0: Doing very well. Um, So we'd like to start off with a little personal intro. What is good for us to know about you?
1: Um, Let's see, I have been a Blue Knight for uh, going on 12 years. Oh, wow. (laughs) I have been in the military, 18, vast majority of that being a Blue Knight. Um, I, I don't know what else anybody wants to know. Uh, I've had some pretty, I've done some pretty cool stuff, uh, missions throughout my career that are outside of the one and two field. And I've had a lot of cool experiences too uh, during my uncleared time.
0: Okay, so what is there to know about you that's not Air Force related?
1: I speak four languages. And English is not my first language, but I was born in Brooklyn. Okay. I am currently studying to be a therapist. Uh, Knock on wood, I want to be a psychiatric PA, but I'm going the therapist route first. And then once I retire, going to go to PA school full time so that I can get a prescription pad so I can combine the two fields. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay. Um, Let's backtrack for just one second. Those four languages. Obviously, one's English. What are the other three? Yes.
1: I speak French fluently. That's my first language. I also speak Haitian Creole, and I speak Spanish.
0: Okay. so I do
1: have American Rosetta American. Stone for Korean. It was a gift from a friend when I had orders to go to Korea, but I never made it. So I'm kind of <laughs> trying to learn that now. <laughs>
0: Are you trying to go back in hopes that you do get to go to Korea or just because Um, now?
1: No, I mean, at this point, I've been in long enough that there's, I really don't think there's a chance of me leaving Fort Meade.
0: Uh, Okay, well, 12 years, that's ridiculous. Not in a bad way, necessarily. (laughs) It's just, I don't know of anyone that I can say that's stayed around in one spot for 12 years.
2: (laughs) I know quite
1: a few. My old supervisor, she was at Fort Meade for 18, and she spent two years at the Pentagon.
0: So. Oh my gosh. Well, that's a change, but still, you know. <laughs> um, so with the, the Haitian Creole, I'm a little interested in that. Um, explain to me what the difference is between Haitian Creole and French.
1: So um, if you listen to Louisiana Creole, that would be more like broken English and broken French. Haitian, Creole are based on three uh, West African languages that the slaves were speaking when they were coming over here with a little bit of broken French in it. Okay. So it's mostly West African dialect.
0: Okay. That's interesting. I had no idea about that. Um, Does that mean that you, let's see, so you, I'm assuming grew up in Haiti?
1: No, I grew up in Brooklyn.
0: I was born in Brooklyn,
1: grew up in Brooklyn. I've spent, like, between visits, I've spent a month of my entire life in Haiti.
0: (laughs) Oh, okay. That's not so bad. So tell me about Haiti then, because I've never gone, and I would love to do anything like that.
1: So um, the housing, well, no, not housing. The economic distance is Uh huge. There's essentially no middle class. So people either have money or they don't. And it makes it hard to creep out of the don't have money. zone. because a lot of good Samaritans and churches have started schools there, but they don't extend past elementary and Ah. schools in Haiti are paid for. So if your parents are in a cycle of poverty where they can't afford to educate you, then you'll you won't be able to break that cycle of poverty because you won't make it past elementary school. And yeah, a few middle schools have popped up around, but that's still not the same as, you know, our equivalent of going to elementary, middle, high school mm-hmm. and then college. So it's really hard to break out of systematic poverty if you're unable to access
0: higher education. Okay, that's very interesting. So you that you have that top tier and you have the bottom tier. Does that yes. mean that in the bottom tier, is there a lot of um, services given for services and goods? Instead? No,
1: that's not, that's non existent. There aren't very many social programs to assist people at the bottom tier.
0: Well, not necessarily a social program, but just, um, you know, I, I don't know, I'm totally blanking on anything someone could possibly do. I'm a plumber, so <laughs> I come and I do plumbing for you in exchange for some other service or good that you give?
1: Um. So a plumber would fall more on the higher end because they have a trade, a skill, something that they can make
0: money off of. Okay. That's fair. I hadn't considered that either. Obviously I'm a first world <laughs> through and through <laughs> kind of guy, apparently. No, it's um, fine. It's fine. Okay. Um,
1: so then you deny things like, for example, for electricity, the government only provides electricity for a quarter of the country at a time. Everyone else, they pay for generators. So if you are in a cycle of poverty, then you can't afford generators. Um, you also can't afford the um, the storage for water. So you may not have water, running water in your home because there isn't money there. Uh, there are a lot of basic things that we're used to, like whether we're poor or not, we'll have lights on and water and refrigeration and stuff like that but yeah that's not common
0: so what i'm getting out of this is that haiti is maybe a a half step down from brooklyn (laughs) i'm just kidding i've never been to brooklyn i (laughs) can't talk crap about it i just
1: (laughs) so you know what brooklyn has seen a lot of gentrification um i i don't think i could afford to live in brooklyn now even with i mean bah for my rank in Brooklyn is three thousand, and I still don't think I could afford to live in a good neighborhood with that. Oh wow! It is—it's Brooklyn has gotten very expensive, extremely expensive.
0: So we've had a, a number of New Yorkers on here. Um, you hail from Brooklyn, so what does that look like compared to the other boroughs on a on a level that's more, you know, like I live here, not. You, know, you live in Brooklyn, you're not living in Staten <laughs> Island or Manhattan. I'm not
2: really
1: familiar with the other boroughs. there's Brooklyn and there's Manhattan as far no. as I'm concerned
0: no that that's a great perspective though if if the, they don't exist, that's totally an answer. Uh-huh.
1: I guess I've been to Queens. I have cousins there <laughs> but then Long Island, but it's not I don't normally venture out of Brooklyn outside of you know Manhattan the city
0: okay that's no that's. I love hearing it. That's very interesting to me just because I've never gone. I could
1: You should go. I it's well, endless. I mean when this is over, you should go.
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll see. If um Yeah. At the moment that's definitely not in the cards. But that is something <laughs> my wife and I want to do. We were looking at um so MWR on post has mm-hmm. um buses yes. that they will do trips for. And my wife and I were thinking about that. I don't really want to stick you know, a newborn on a bus with a lot of people right now. Um, just for their own sanity, honestly. Not so much even for my daughter, just because I know she'll be fine. But everyone else going to have to deal with the crying and stuff. Then hop
1: in their car. That's, That's the plan. three and a half, four hours.
0: Yeah, we have a couple of family members over that way. So we're going to go, I think they're in Manhattan. Yeah, they're okay. in Manhattan. So we'll go see them. Um, what are some of the things that you recommend doing in, in New York?
1: I would check out the 9-11 Memorial.
0: Okay. Um,
1: I would also go to Broadway. Uh, the tickets, uh, they have like a last call. So if you just show up, then you can get the remaining remaining seats for a discount so that they could fill the theater. So you may be able to catch Hamilton for, you know, under $600 <laughs> <laughs> once that opens up again. Um, I don't remember the name, but... Sergeant Clark visited this amazing pencil shop that was in a book that we both read called Joyful, and the pencil shop itself, it sounds, you know, dorky because it's a pencil shop, but it has all these different colorful things and mechanical pencils and pens and notepads, and it's just the colors itself just make you want to smile. (laughs) And that's this. oh, and then eek. Like, get a New York slice of pizza. Okay. And get a hot dog off the street, regardless of what the news says about them. <laughs>
0: oh. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I would be one of the people who probably goes to get a hot dog, despite what other people say about it. So um,
1: I am definitely one of those people. Um, uh-huh. I have gotten food poisoning on every deployment I've ever been to, because if we are with the locals and the locals are eating something, I'm like, well, I want to try that. And all of a sudden.
0: <laughs> yeah. That was a, uh, that's one of the things my wife and I always do. We always try the food whenever we go somewhere new. Mm-hmm. Um, and last time it was Ensenada, Mexico.
2: Gotcha. And it was
0: uh, fun, but it was like, it smelled delicious, unlike anything that we have here. But at the same time, we're like dealing with all these people who are trying to get the food. And then I see the locals who are trying to hop in line to get food too. And I just feel so bad for taking up all of their space. I really oh see no, about but that, you but should
1: feel good for the business that's making all this money.
0: Exactly, exactly. I, I don't know. I feel like I, I look at other people a little bit too much, and I worry about what they need, or it's not necessarily bad, but if it stopped me from getting food, it might be a little bit, <laughs> a little <laughs> bit overboard. So. You were going to say something about um, some of the food?
1: Oh, well no, I was gonna say there was one time I was, um, this was, I wanna say my second deployment. My co work there three of us in the shop and um, one of the guys in bed with us invited us to eat at a DFAC on base where the, um, the foreign nationals ate. So we went with him, but my flight commander, she stayed in the office and had ramen. Well, <laughs> him and I were both out for the next three to four days oh. and three IVs later,
0: oh no <laughs>
1: when I finally came back to work
0: <laughs> that's crazy so what was it that you were served
1: oh it was a buffet style so I have no idea oh. what made me sick yep, <laughs> yep. was like, no. I was out for four days and my coworker was out for three and she was there by herself and she was like yeah you guys can't go back and I'm like I don't know that she needed to tell us that we we're pretty much done at
2: that
0: oh, point oh <laughs> I feel so bad that sounds terrible <laughs> Not to the same extent, but my brother and I, when we were kids, we used to go to um, buffets with our parents because it was a cheap option to make sure we were all well fed. And we played Mm -hmm. a lot of sports and stuff, so we needed that kind of stuff going on. And we, my brother and I, as kids, always liked to wear hoodies. Mm -hmm. So when we would go in, we just had this understanding that we were going to have a competition to see who could walk out with the most food. (laughs) <laughs> this is us, like, okay. like 10, 12, maybe. Um, so we would line the inside, like, you know, the middle pocket of this hoodie with napkins, and then we would go and we'd grab cookies and muffins, and it was pretty much only grains, because we knew if we took anything else, it would get all messy, and then yeah. it'd get spoiled somehow, we would just would lose. So we'd come home, and then we would have to hide it from our mom, like, the entire car ride home, and then we'd all dump out what we had and make sure no one came into the room so no one knew that we'd been doing this. <laughs> it's, just, it's just one of those fun little things you do as kids that you don't really recommend doing, but I don't, <laughs> I don't think it was really bad at all.
2: No, not on the grand
0: thing.: <laughs> Not so bad. So what are the kind of, you growing up in Brooklyn, yes. what kind of stuff do you do?
1: so i ended up moving to florida when i was 13. so i okay. grew up in brooklyn majority of my life and then i went to high school in florida and Poor moved florida. back to new york to wait out the eight months of delayed entry mm, okay um brooklyn i did nothing we had there's <laughs> this saying in haiti uh there's a haitian saying that haitian kids say they sell shirts with it that says le Li like i the three L's, and it's the three places that Haitian children are allowed to go, and that's church, school, home. And they <laughs> so, those are the only places I got to go. Um, I lived in the same house for 13 years. I wouldn't recognize my neighbors in the street. Even after moving back, when the investigators came through to do interviews, nobody knew who I was. I didn't know who they were. Um, we just oh, don't wow. talk to each other. <laughs> it's just not a thing. But yeah, I did nothing. Um, And then when people would see me, they're like, hey, where are you from? That house you've seen me come out of for the last... (laughs) You guys should know my
0: walking path. I only go to two different places if it's not right here.
1: Exactly. Um, But even with uh, moving to Florida, I still went back to school. If school got out at noon for spring break, I was on a plane by 6 p.m. back to New York. Because only my mother moved to Florida. Everybody else was still in New York. So I spent every spring break, Thanksgiving, Christmas break, summer vacation back in New York.
0: That's insane. I see, I would have never guessed that, honestly, because you're such a bubbly person. <laughs> it seems strange that you would be uh, the the recluse who just goes to, you, you know, everyone would pretty much only see you at school and church. So it's just, that's very true. Uh, I, so awesome.
1: I think my family was super concerned about safety. And okay. they thought like, hey, if we kept I was talking to someone earlier um about reminiscing about trying to go to the park and my dad was like, oh, see so you guys end up in jail. And it's just like, <laughs> oh <laughs>
0: okay. It's a little bit far, <laughs> but okay. So,
1: even when I came home to visit, I was on R and R for two weeks. This is like off of a 15 month deployment. And I told my mom, i'm this is at twenty-six. I told my mom I'm going to see a Broadway play with some friends. And she said that as long as I was home before the streetlights came on. And I'm like, you you do realize I'm here from break, from actually being in a war zone. And she said, you heard what I said. I didn't end up going because the show started at 7.30 and Uh. the (laughs) streetlights would already be on.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. It is a lot. So I've... I understand your parents' logic. I made a lot of dumb choices living in California for a while. And we would go um just i first off i worked in a terrible area um the kind of place that movies get made about that mm-hmm. people don't like to watch cuz it makes them feel bad um that just happened to be where i the office i worked at was cuz it was cheap um and i would walk by a grocery store a whole bunch of taquerias and a school and whenever i did that it I felt so bad because I had to go in like all dressed up. I had to wear a slack and tie every day. Um, and I would walk that and I wouldn't think anything of it. And I feel so, it, it scares me now thinking that my wife could be walking along a street with something, with a terrible neighborhood like that. Um, so I, I understand that nowadays, the the staying in because you don't want to be Subjected to terrible things that happened to you. Um, yeah. I just wish I hadn't been so dumb to kind of ask for it in some ways. I
1: understand. It was, I mean, it's gotten better over the years, but there's just, there was just so much going on at the time that mm. I understand. At the time, I was upset with my parents, but when I got older, I'm like, okay, I get it. They didn't want me to be a missing child.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, Let's talk about that for a second. With your parents, uh, were they very supportive of you doing other things? If you're just staying at home, or is that? Oh, um... I mean, so
1: it changed dramatically when I moved to Florida. Uh-huh. So I, I had a social life there. I had maybe too much of a social life, uh-huh. but as for like other things. Uh, there's an immigrant mindset that there are only like five career fields that you're allowed to be part of. And it's like doctor, lawyer, engineer, accountant, and nurse. Uh-huh. So up until recently, every year, my mom would call me on my military anniversary to tell me how many years it's been since I ran away from home. <laughs> and then I had to go like, mm, I didn't run away from home. Okay. <laughs> I'm <am> an adult. <laughs> like, so I think it's very recently that she's I come to terms with the fact that I'm in the military, Um, to them. So I I still don't think that they have a full grasp of what it means to be uh, a service member. Uh So she kind of thinks it's something that someone does if they have no other choices in life. So to her, she doesn't do this anymore, but when people would ask her how I'm doing, she would break down and cry. And it's like, but what happened? Why is Christine in the military? She's making peace with it. Now that I'm getting ready <laughs> to retire, she's making peace with it.
0: Yeah, well, it, especially because you've only been, you know, I don't know how many miles that is away from from New York. Well, I assume that she's still in New York. Is that right? She's or in she, Florida. Everybody's Florida. in Florida. Oh, so they all moved from Brooklyn yeah, to Florida. Yeah, everybody
1: since then. Yes, I have one brother in New York, but everybody else is in Florida. But I mean, I started off my career field in Alaska. So that made me far away. And then I was in Nebraska, so might as well still be in Alaska. Yeah, <laughs> it was yeah, still pretty far from my family. And they were concerned because, I mean, I came in at the height of September 11th. And, yeah. and then I kept deploying. So there's this stigma, like, it doesn't matter what I tell her. She thinks I'm standing and laying in somebody's ditch with a gun, yeah. you know, about to get killed.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I get that one. That was... I have had a lot of family members who have that same concern. I've had to explain to them that I don't do anything remotely dangerous. <laughs> the most dangerous part of my commute, of my job, is my commute. So that's, you know, that is what it is. Um, yeah. So I I remember 9-11 um, and that was a big influence on me, um, like it was for, I think, the majority of Americans. But that really helped kind of push me in that direction of seeing my dad is in the army, 9-11 happens, my dad gets deployed. And I didn't necessarily think of it as a terrible thing where I was, I wasn't focused on my dad is gone. Um, Instead I understood what he was doing and I understood why he needed to do it. Um, Did you have any, was that your reaction to 9-11? Did you have any kind of, was that like an influence for you to join?
1: So um, when nine eleven happened, I was already in the delayed entry program. Oh, okay. And I was in Brooklyn at the time. Oh, wow. And my brother and my aunt both worked in the building, so everybody is concerned immediately when we found out it's a terrorist act. It's like, oh, you're going to go to war. You're going to go to war. Call your recruiter, see if you can get out of this. And it's like, no, no. Like it just confirmed that this was what I was supposed to be doing.
2: Yeah. But like, yeah, yeah.
1: Well, if we're going to war, then this is why I joined. And even though I joined beforehand, it felt like this is the purpose of.
0: I 100% understand that. In, oh, when was it? 2017, I think, mm-hmm. when um, we dropped one of the Moabs in Pakistan. Mm-hmm. Um, my first gut instinct was to be mad that we had made that choice. Um, And then that pretty quickly went away and I realized that that was not, why would I be (laughs) mad about that? That was done for a certain reason. Um, Yeah, and then that was actually a big driver. I actually (laughs) joined after that.
1: I think my family's biggest concern was that, I mean, I have a brother in New York, but I'm technically an only child. I consider my aunt and my uncle my parents so that's why i consider their kids so their biggest concern was me going off and then you know leaving my parents with no children
0: uh huh. okay so do they have a lot of um like your you have your brother does he have any children of his own
2: Mm -hmm. he
1: has through well um my aunt's kids they're my two brothers they both have three kids each. Um, one lives in Florida and the other lives in New York So, And okay. um, they, after September 11, it was kind of like the general consensus is, uh, well, not even after seven, September 11th, after my first deployment, the, it was kind of like spoken around the family, like nobody else is gonna join the military, this, that, and the other. And it's just like, but you don't know what I do. I could be very yeah, much yeah. safe somewhere. And, but it's fear. It's not, everybody became very patriotic afterwards. Like, and it's not just like my family, like New York. I had never seen an American flag anywhere, like in front of, but after September 11th, American flags went up the entire neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And, but it was more of like, I understand why we have to do this, but why
0: do you have to do this? Sure. I, yeah. Okay. I understand. I'm right there with you. Did you guys have any kind of, well, okay. So 9-11 happens and you're there mm-hmm. in the city. What was the climate like in the city um, immediately after the attack? I
1: spoke to my neighbors for the first time. Really? Like everybody came out, everybody was talking to each other, um, helping each other put their flags up. I have no idea how everybody got Flags so quickly um, <laughs> okay. we were we were hugging each other it was just um New Yorkers in general tend to be kind of standoffish, but we became super friendly and it that didn't stop like throughout the years we still you know kept a relationship with them. We can now borrow sugar as opposed to the days where although our homes are literally connected to one another, we don't know each other's names
0: so is there has there been a difference between the response of nine eleven and the response that people have had with the stay-at-home orders for COVID-19?
1: Well, I don't know what's happening in New York per se, but my brother, I don't know how everybody else feels, but I know that he's okay with it because it's personally touched him. The, he lives in a brownstone, and the house attached to him, they lost two people to oh. COVID-19. And then he's also a pastor, and he's lost four members of his church. So because it's touched personally, he's okay with staying at home because he feels like, well, I could be asymptomatic and I don't want to be outside and cause, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's crazy because there's a lot of those studies that are coming out specifically about New Yorkers Mm -hmm. and how many people are asymptomatic carriers that, yeah, I just pushed my New York trip back like two years now just thinking about that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's true, but um and my he oh. In addition to that, I want to say a couple of his coworkers tested positive, so he's like, "No, no, we're good. We're gonna stay at home." His kids have started a YouTube challenge, a channel, and they prank each other and record it. So they're finding new ways to entertain each other from home. <laughs> yeah, no,
0: it, I I have so many people in my family who are um for some reason writing the it's not real bandwagon mm-hmm. um i i really just want to get them all hobbies <laughs> <laughs> that would solve this issue if i could get a lot of them to start sewing or something something would be make
1: some mass, be productive exactly
0: like, <laughs> just yeah find something so what are you doing to be productive right now
1: well i'm in school full-time mm-hmm. and i'm also still working like <laughs> so, I don't really have any time to not be busy. If that makes any sense, sure. I haven't really felt that extra spare time that everybody else is talking about. Um, between work and school, I am busy all the time.
0: Okay, so if we took school out of the mix, what would Christine be doing?
1: Well, I it's been on my list of things to do forever to relearn how to play the piano. Okay, um, I have a piano. But the only time I touch it is when I go to dust it.
2: (laughs) So (laughs) I was like, I'm going to play,
1: I'm going to play. So every now and then I'll go buy some new piano books and then I have everything from level one to expert at the house because in my mind I'm going to teach myself and just work my way up quickly again. It it hasn't happened yet. But it's on the list of things to do. Um, I also, uh, I started a cooking channel when I was an NCOA. I was cooking with my Instapot from my hotel room. I'm not sure if that's allowed, but you know, time <laughs> has
2: passed.
1: <laughs> and it's been all my list of things to do to like show people how to make full meals from their Instapot for people who are short space. But I haven't made a video since graduating from NCOA. Okay. And, and then, I mean, I have Airmen and uh, they keep me busy. I like to meet up with them, do stuff like lunch over Zoom or just in general chat. have one-on-one because i just want to make sure the people who are here without their family still feel connected and know that like hey Mm -hmm. i'm here for you
0: yeah 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 so what has been it sounds like maybe not a lot but what has been the difference um in your mind in supervising in quarantine and in a, a normal world
1: um, I think I mean I talk to my airmen all the time, but I feel now it's more deliberate and conscious. So we um. have better com- um conversations because making it a point to reach out as before. It's like wait, I don't necessarily make the time out because I'm going to see you every day and we yeah. can just chat in passing as opposed to, you know, setting my alarm and timer and having this dedicated time just for me and this other person.
0: So do you think that the 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 relationship that you have with your airmen is going to be stronger coming out of this or do you think that it's gonna be um, almost too casual?
1: I think so. I think um is I think the pandemic is just allowing people to see like, hey, we are all experiencing the same thing at the same time. So the trauma of it all is just gonna bind a bound binder or bond us better.
0: <laughs> there you go. Okay, I like that. Um Let's get away from all the the pandemic talk. Let's. <laughs> yes. We're done with that. Um, you talked about making meals in your instant pot. Yes. What kind of stuff do you make?
1: Oh, uh, so in general, my kitchen might as well say I've seen on TV. If there's an <laughs> commercial associated to a product, I own it. I have been waiting for my hour plate, or oh, hour pan. No, always pan for the last four or five weeks uh-huh. because you know of the Instagram ads for it. But yeah, I make everything. Yesterday, uh, oh, um, yesterday, Sergeant Caesar did that cooking channel, Ah. his Creole Louisiana beans, and I did the beans in the Instapot first. And then I also, because my drumsticks were, he suggested making fried chicken, so because my drumsticks were frozen, I pre-cooked them in my Instapot for five minutes, and then um, in my marinade, and then I threw them in my air fryer for another 10 so that I could get you know fried chicken <laughs> to go with oh, the red beans and rice but I pretty much make my thing is if I go out to eat i trying to recreate whatever meal that I had there my version of it so okay. that yeah so, so if I like we- something the goal is taste it and figure out what's in it and then try to make it on my own.
0: Okay. So is that restricted to any specific types of food? Like do you like uh,
1: everything. I'm open it? to everything cuz growing up I only ate Haitian food. Going out to eat was something that was reserved for like graduating for something. <laughs> it was oh, okay. just not something we did often. Uh-huh. So um now it's I want to eat every genre of food, but I would have to say top 2 favorite would still be West Indian food and Korean food is my second, well, Or even they're tied for first, Korean and West Indian. And that's all West Indian. That's Haitian, Jamaican, Puerto Rican food.
0: (laughs) Okay. Um, That's a lot. (laughs) Like, I I don't know. My thing is, I I haven't had a lot of that. So I can't speak to Haitian food or Puerto Rican food. Um, How does that, what does that look like?
1: So all the West Indian nations pretty much have plantains. Rice and beans and plantains, those are staples. And the foods are similar in taste, it's just the seasoning might be a little bit off. Like, um, I would say Hispanics use sofrito while Haitians would use epis, but at the end of the day, it's like the same base. Um, A lot of cilantro, cloves, um, allspice uh island fruits mangoes and um pineapples like everything is very tropical and okay. red snapper is kind of a staple in all the nations and okay. we all have our own different version of an empanada so we we have the haitian patties there's jamaican patties that then there's the you know traditional empanada uh. with all of the with like a flaky crust and ground meat inside of it so it's it's similar but i think it's because um All of us are originally from West Africa, and it's a lot of the same staples there.
0: Okay, so it sounds like overall it's a bit more earthy. Is that Mm -hmm. a fair description?
1: Yeah, earthy and tropical, and lots of seafood as well because, you know, all the islands.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll have to find a place like that because that sounds good to me. I I don't know. I feel like when I cook, I cook things in such a – like I get into my ruts – and mm-hmm. then I start cooking one way and then everything kind of starts tasting the same, despite it being a totally different dish.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, you got to switch your seasonings up. I have maybe 50 different seasonings
0: in oh my the house goodness. so that everything
1: can have a different taste and flavor.
0: So what are your, your uh, seasoning workhorses?
1: Well, I mean, garlic goes in everything. Sure. Garlic powder goes in everything. And I prefer to get the one from the Amish market than I do anywhere else because the flavor is stronger. Okay. And um, be all, end all. This is, if I'm not cooking a particular dish from a different area, then I'll use the low sodium laurie seasoned salt.
0: I do. Yep, yeah, that's one of my go-tos, definitely. I, yeah,
1: but I Oh, discovered... and I also use Mrs. Dash Spicy. On pretty much everything, uh, pretty much everything you eat here will be spicy, unless someone has specific dietary needs why it can't be spicy.
0: Okay, I do like that. I do the spicy stuff myself. Um, Right before I left for BMT, actually, I set up for my wife a whole bunch of those like monthly subscription boxes. Nice. Um, She had no idea it was coming, and one of them was a spicy, like a hot sauce one. So nice. she got a new hot sauce every month, and now they're just sitting in the fridge because they were too hot for her. So <laughs> now it's all me who eats those, and that's okay.
1: Oh, you'll have to try Grace's hot pepper sauce. Ridiculously spicy. It's from Jamaica, but it huh? is really, really
0: good. So is it one of the ones that tastes like a pepper, or is it like kind of a okay? It
1: tastes like a habanero pepper.
0: Okay, I'm all about that. I like the stuff that tastes like something that hasn't. I don't know. I feel like a lot of the processed like sauces and stuff like that kind of tastes like Windex. Gotcha. <laughs> Something that isn't like that would be fantastic. That really, yeah, elevates it by being its own flavor.
1: That's
0: awesome.
1: <laughs> I can recommend some West Indian places for you. Yeah, give me a couple. Um. So there is. Oh, there is. Oh my goodness, I'm drawing a blank. There are two Haitian restaurants in Silver Spring. There's a Dominican restaurant here in Laurel and um, Cabasana. It's the name of the Dominican place. There's a Casa de Mofongo. It's a Puerto Rican place in Silver Spring. And um, the Haitian restaurants name Giselle's. So okay. yeah, three spaces.
0: Okay. I I'm going to have to write that down. Because that sounds like <laughs> something I would love to try. Um, we're always trying to do things. We found um, before the pandemic, we didn't realize that pupusas were such a big thing in some mm-hmm. areas over here, so we went on a pupusa hunt just trying to find some good stuff. Um, so I'm all about trying to get out there and try some of the, the other cuisine out there. Nice! what are some of the things that you feel like you've gotten to experience that other people may not have?
1: Oh, I haven't seen this come up on AMS anymore, but this was at the height of the deployment in Iraq and they were looking for Intel people to embed teams with the army. And I volunteered to join a weapons inspection team. So I was part of the analyst cell. Um, So I got to do route clearance and then I, after my missions, I would come back and you know put on my intel hat and make pretty PowerPoint presentations and <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. So um, I have a picture of myself. Like I didn't tell my family what I was doing because I didn't want to stress them and my mom was checking out pictures and she's like hey what's this I was like that's me in my bomb suit and she was <laughs> like what are you doing that for and I was like oh when I use the robot to take apart bombs and then she starts crying and I'm like oh when no did you tell them what I was doing when yeah. I was there, that was pretty cool <laughs> that's
0: awesome I would I wish that I could do any of those more intense things like I think it would be so cool to be a part of EOD I, um,
1: I do have an EOD patch I even have like multiple books That they gave us during our courses beforehand Talking about how to dismantle Part of me wants to recycle it And the other part of me is worried about What the recycling man would think about me And what <laughs> I do <laughs>
2: totally And then
1: fair. I did get to be In Minuteman And that was pretty oh. cool During my time there I deployed three times with them And I got to get tower certified um, so the certification course is really really cool because you get to repel and I just never thought of myself as someone who would repel off of a tower but when they told me I didn't have a choice I realized afterwards <laughs> it was fun so <laughs> oh, beforehand how was I protested but it turned out to be really really fun that's great um and I got to deploy with the Canadians as the only American person there and that was really, really cool as well to see how um, other people do it, other nations do it, and it, they they do it differently. They have a party once a month where the government sends them kegs what? and meat to grill, and okay. <laughs> yeah, we're, and they have a full-blown pool full party, which <laughs> we don't we don't do that.
0: No. <laughs> I have um, my pen and paper out now, and I have a congressman to write immediately. <laughs>
1: Oh, I've also done um, on missions with Australians, and that's pretty cool too because they don't separate themselves by sexes the way that we do. So uh, your roommates will be everybody, and the bathrooms are shared. So that was different for me as oh, well. Okay. Like, oh, so there's no female restroom? Oh, okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> And um, my time at Airman Family Readiness, I think that's really, really, really cool. So they paid for me to do, well, the FSS gave me one of their slots, so I became a master resiliency trainer through them. They paid for me to become an applied suicide intervention trainer. They uh, um, um, got my command financial specialist certification. They are also paying for me to get my CFS license, so my time at the airman family readiness has gotten me like a lot of certifications that wow. help me help airmen. So I get to, you know, do one-on-one financial counseling sessions with airmen. Um, I've been able to host sessions. I've done it with wing leadership here and at Andrews to help with suicide intervention. Um, yeah.
2: <laughs> I
0: can't That's think
1: crazy. Of anything else on, so i anything no. ahead, but those are lots of really cool things. That, That's like, great.
0: So I I normally like to, at the end, ask if you have any kind of programs that you'd like to plug. Um, Let's do that right now, though, because it seems like you have so much knowledge. There's no reason why we should limit that to something at the end.
1: um, Air Force Assistance Fund. Uh, it is there. I think a lot of people, their spouses have lost work during this pandemic and their money is kind of stressed. Uh-huh. So uh, now is the time to go. They're here to help you. Uh, ACS, Airman Family Readiness, me, we can sit down, do a budget, figure out how much money that you need. Uh, definitely uh, the suicide pre- um, prevention line, hotline, it just even if you just need someone to talk to, to so know that, like, hey, this is a difficult time. MFLAC, MFLAC, MFLAC. Forget suicide prevention line. Uh, well, not, don't forget it. But um, <laughs> MFLACs are here and willing to do one-on-one counseling sessions with, like, both the members, their spouse, their dependent children. So I'm um, all about getting the mental health care that you need. It's, it. this could be a, a trying time for people. So if you need to talk to someone, go out and talk to someone.
0: That's great. Um, What do you think is a, is an underutilized program that needs a little bit of uh, attention? Not, I I don't mean like it needs to be fixed up by any means, but just something that needs to be, yeah, yeah, no, definitely.
1: Yeah, they, even with the, um, well, right now it's kind of limited because of the pandemic. But with the fruits and vegetables they give out on Tuesdays and Thursdays, they're not getting the participation that they anticipate. And the way the Maryland Food Bank rules work, they're not allowed to repack food and donate it to someone else. So whatever we don't get picked up goes straight to the dump. So then you have like, whenever I do show up, someone's carrying 60 pounds of potatoes in my car, into my car, because they don't (laughs) want it to end up at the dump. And it's like, but I don't need 60 pounds of potatoes, but nobody's showing up. So people aren't utilizing this free service and they can get, you know, pineapples, bananas, eggplants, potatoes, onions. And I always bring it back to NVP and like, hey, anybody wants some? But still, I wish more people realized how much free stuff that they could get. And there are no rank restrictions. It's just, yeah. hey, if you are military, there's free food for you. And even if you don't necessarily, I think people feel like because of their rank that they shouldn't get it. This The thing is the difference between getting free food or getting thrown out there's no sure. in between there's not like oh let me save it for an unprivileged airman no there's enough but you're not picking it up so now there might be a hungry person out there but the food's at the dump
0: okay so on the squadron level or do you think that there are any other programs that people should be using
1: hmm, squadron level airman family readiness um, during my time there, I don't remember seeing many people show up outside of out processing. Um, there are so many services, like even for pre-deployments or if you're going to Korea unaccompanied, they even have like writing kits for you and your kids to stay in touch and write with them. There are videos to help you guys with reintegration and separation. Um, but I don't think people are – not that I don't think. I know people aren't utilizing it or even making it to mandatory rights start to learn about all the things that are offered here. The okay. sports teams for the kids on base, there's just so many things that are just not being used by our squadron.
0: Okay. I, I like that. That's, I am a big believer in sports for children. Um, mm-hmm. I did that all of my childhood, and I'll probably – get my daughter into that as well um hopefully she doesn't have my competitiveness because that (laughs) all sorts of bad um yeah we don't need more kids hurt than we already have um but so you have all these different programs from someone who's been in that environment for so long have i shouldn't say for so long but in so deep into these programs um are these things that are or is it threatening, how do I word this? Is the lack of participation and attendance something that would get these things thrown away?
2: Um,
1: I think so. I think people are afraid of having to, like, divulge their financial situations to a stranger. So they're going out and getting these high-interest loans off base as opposed to sitting down with the financial counselor through army community service to get an air force aid loan. And um, as a result, because of lack of appointments, they let go some of the counselors. So now for the people who are actually using the service, they have to wait longer. Okay. But the need is I'm positive. The need is there because I sit and do financial counseling sessions at least once a week. And I see people who had emergencies and they went out and they contacted the Banks. I'm not going to say the name. The predatory lenders, and they mm. have these 30% loans when you could have gotten a zero percent loan, but you were afraid that your first sergeant would find out that you went to Air Force Aid, and that's not really a thing. Um, the Air Force has removed the requirement of letting your chain of command know that you needed the assistance because they didn't want airmen to be deterred from going.
0: Mm. Okay, I had no idea. Yeah, so
1: you can just make your own appointment and go and. No one has to be the wiser that you needed money, and that is definitely a better alternative, paying the Air Force back at 0% than paying a predatory lender back at 27.99.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, most definitely. Um, Those are definitely good programs that I – I feel like I knew about them, but I didn't – Oh, um, budget
1: for baby. The Navy does the class, but if you know, if you go through the Airman Family Readiness, they'll contact Air Force Aid at Andrews and get the gift card that would go along with going to the class. So that not only do you get, you know, a financial class about preparing for a child, you'll also get a gift card from AFEs to assist with, you know, diapers and wipes and other whatever it is you might need from the BX.
0: That I remember, I I talked to you about that a while ago that was uh yeah i have their phone number still stuck up on my wall um Mm -hmm. post note i had written it on unfortunately i never got to use it because my daughter was born right as everything was shutting down
2: gotcha so it
0: was yeah it is what it is but it was um (laughs) just funny so it's still sitting there i know exactly where it is and i still think you know what maybe i should give them a call and just see if i can do something yeah
1: see if there's something virtual
0: yeah exactly Uh, oh
1: army wellness center that's another program they're doing um one-on-one um wellness programs they could a registered dietitian can help you with your diet and come up with a meal plan um an exercise physiologist will help you come up with a workout plan that takes into account whatever um impairments you might have at the moment
0: okay um Now, is that like a licensed dietitian type thing?
1: Yes. And to make an appointment, you just go on Fort Meade Army Wellness um, Facebook page, and they have the appointment slots just listed there. You just click on one and put your information in, and then someone will contact you with the Zoom information for your 101 session.
0: That's crazy. So that's also a free program.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I should probably get in there. I'm not like that. (laughs) you know i i try and make healthy decisions it doesn't always happen but uh, oh no
1: i understand
0: yeah being Same thing this with
1: everybody i think everybody was i see all these mo um memes that like oh i went through all my covet snacks day four <laughs> yeah yeah
0: so I yeah i oh man that's i'll give that one a look as well you just keep loading me up with stuff i'm gonna have some <laughs> major homework
1: But I think, and I mean, the same issue when I was in the building, I didn't really go venture outside of it for anything. So I wasn't aware of what else was offered outside of it.
0: You know, I don't think I really did either. It was, I remember looking at um, the squadron and the wing emails and seeing different opportunities pop up and Mm -hmm. I would say something about it to someone and they would say, what is that? Well, yeah, I know for a fact you got that email because everybody got that email. <laughs> but you just have to, you know, do a little bit of reading. Um, mm-hmm. I can one hundred percent admit that I have not taken advantage of a lot of the benefits that I probably should have. So,
1: oh, that makes me think of something else: underutilized WIC. Um, yeah. Uh, what is a white woman, infinite children? Yep. A lot of airmen qualify for it but they just don't know enough to apply. And you can apply for WIC on Fort Meade at the Army Community Services and get your benefits started there. So it's not even a large commute and they'll save you guys a ton of money on formula and on milk and cheese and vegetables and staples. And that's not utilized as well. And Fort Meade has a great immigration program so, if someone is married to a foreign-born spouse, being active duty gets your um, spouse priority in appointment-wise with counselor and the ability to fat push through their citizenship paperwork. And at this, um, at these appointments, they set one-on-one appointments and someone reviews your spouse's specific case uh-huh. and then tells you exactly what they um, need and then they push it through. But... That's also through the Army um, Community Service. But I don't know that I've ever seen any Air Force (laughs) members go. And maybe Air Force members aren't marrying foreign-born spouses, but uh, I just haven't seen it since working there.
0: (laughs) You know, I at least speaking for the the current generation of of, uh, Intel folks, I can say Mm -hmm. it was very heavily discouraged. Yeah. I think it's always discouraged. (laughs) But I think that that was... Uh, not that that was one of the things that was like always briefed or anything like that but there was a definite um stigma against foreign mm-hmm. spouses um, especially through goodfellow um not think that's a bad thing necessarily but i don't know you go ahead and marry whoever you want to marry it's not my deal <laughs>
1: <laughs> but if you do marry him here's this program to help. exactly you
0: <laughs> yeah. So anybody who might know anyone who needs that, um, just go down over to the AFRC, and they can get you all taken care of.
1: Exactly. And if you register in advance, and your spouse ha- um, can have a translator available if you know English is not their strongest
0: language. So let's talk about that for a second. Um, does the AFRC offer any kind of language stuff? I feel like they've done everything no. possible. Okay. They,
1: um, they don't. But the International Language Center. I think you can make an appointment and use their library at any time. They have DVDs, movies, books, in all different languages, and you don't have to be a linguist to utilize it. That and then I heard be. a rumor that the Air Force offered free Rosetta Stone, but I looked everywhere and I couldn't find it.
0: I've heard that one too. It's, it's Somewhere like on the resources tab or something like yeah, that. I mean, like, yeah, I'm like, I've searched. <laughs> I've looked through that entire thing and I keep seeing, th- like I found the, the free consumer reports and I never found rosetta stone i was a little upset about. i did that, but... find the
1: ten dollar microsoft word but i haven't found yeah anything
0: else. yeah exactly and i feel like i always find something new whenever i look at the resources tab which isn't very often so it could just i but...
1: but i have used the international language center both here in my last um duty station and it's really cool like it is you can it you can turn on the subtitles and kind of learn that yeah. way through like straight immersion
0: okay Yeah, my wife and I have been talking about learning another language so that we can teach that to our daughter. So she's like two months, two and a half months old.
1: Oh, perfect timing.
0: Yeah. So we we found out that she likes Elmo. Elmo is her thing. So we're debating just turning on Sesame Street in a different language and just listening to it and
1: Hey, that's the way I learned how to speak English. When I started kindergarten, my mom, and she tells me the story all the time, that she went to the kindergarten teacher to tell her, like, I never went to pre-K, that my daughter doesn't speak English, and, you know, please take the time and whatever to uh-huh. be patient. And at the first teacher conference, she was like, no, your daughter speaks English, just fine. <laughs> well, I had never spoken English, but... They put me in front of PBS all day long. So I watched Sesame Street, yeah, yeah. Rainbow, and I just kind of understood it. But I never spoke it because nobody was speaking to me in English. But when I got to kindergarten, everybody was speaking this language I saw on TV. I spoke it back. <laughs>
0: oh, so, see, so we were, um, my dad was Army and he was stationed in Germany. So we lived there for a while. And my brother, my mom consciously enrolled my brother in a German kindergarten. Nice. So he was the only American there, and he didn't speak German whatsoever, but that was the same exact situation. He didn't really <laughs> watch anything in German previous to that. Mm-hmm. But he just had to go in and survive, and <laughs>
1: he <need> picked <laughs> you know, it go. up my mom speaks german because my grandmother my mother was kind of the rebel of her siblings and my grandmother insisted that they pick up a second language in school and she told them all they were going to learn english because it was the language of the future and my mother wanting to be different um (laughs) she learned how to speak german and years later she ends up in this country And doesn't speak English and all her siblings just thought it was hilarious like well guess you should have listened to mom
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's yeah so along with the lines of the same language thing um I have so many family members who have done so much traveling to other places my wife and I want to try and find a language that we can learn but we kind of want it to be our own thing nice but it's proving to be difficult because I have um my mom, who speaks a little bit of French and German and Spanish, mm-hmm. the majority of my family can speak Spanish. Um, some can speak Portuguese, Italian, Russian. Uh, so we're running out of, out of things that are like... Oh, you just <laughs> got to pick some random <laughs> dialect. <laughs> we've, we've thought about doing like an Asian language, but we want to travel in Europe a lot more than we want to go to Asia. So we're trying to well
1: if you're gonna do Europe then you have to do French because and this is something I know through SABC, the only two languages recognized by NATO is English and French. So
2: really? French I would didn't be know that. to
1: go. Yeah. That's why all the SABC paperwork is both printed in English and in
0: French. I had no idea. That is yeah. okay.
1: <laughs> Random stuff I know.
0: I would have oh, never put something
1: else that I got um through here. I became an SABC instructor um and it's i i did a month of sabc with the army so when people complain about the air force's four-hour class and i'm thinking like oh no like the army makes you like jam it in each other's nose <laughs> give <laughs> each other ivs because um, like, it's a totally different ball game.
2: that's wow,
0: crazy
1: enjoy your powerpoint <laughs> yeah exactly
0: no big deal <laughs> you're not gonna play a uh, needle dummy
1: exactly I'm like no no this specialist is
0: not going to stab me. Yeah, exactly. Oh it kind of makes me cringe a little bit. My dad was um <laughs> he originally was uh, medical in the army, mm-hmm. and then he started trying I don't remember what he was doing, but he was talking about giving each other iVs and how they would do it like underneath a tree in the park. that is not. A, with me.
1: and uh, it sounds like a reason to get arrested someone will see you and think you're it an drug user exactly <laughs> really the park
2: yeah.
0: no sir i'm not doing a heroin i'm just trying to practice <laughs> <laughs> i don't know he did i it may not have been him but i think someone else was telling me that when they learned to do ivs in a similar situation like that that was their um their go to after they would go on like week l- weekend long benders, they just give each other an they, IV and try and flush everything out real quick. Before
1: they oh, out. I've heard that too. I don't know how accurate it is or <laughs> if it's even
0: true, but I, you know, people go to some interesting lengths to try and do that kind of stuff. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but I mean, by heard it, I saw it on Grey's Anatomy where a doctor was hungover and decided to give themselves an IV.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh.
1: Oh, I don't know how realistic that is.
0: Yeah, there we, yeah. I'll do some, nah, I'm not even going to do the research on that, honestly. That's not something I need to know. <laughs> <laughs> Just in
1: case you have a bag of saline
0: available? <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. I have to use this bag of saline before it expires real quick. Let me go on <laughs> a, have some fun this weekend. Well, I think we've had a pretty good amount of fun. Let's, all uh, mine. <laughs> yeah, I've enjoyed it a lot. Let's, um, go to those questions I like to ask at the very end okay um what are you most proud of
1: surviving um definitely it's i did not think i was gonna make it to the end but now that i'm at 18 and a half i'm pretty sure i'll make it to 20. okay (laughs) so yeah surviving i think we don't give enough credit to just overcoming and surviving the hardships that come along with life
0: sure so, would you say that um, that kind of uh, how are my words not formulating right now? Um, would you say that there is a mental burden, not necessarily burden, but just uh, a weight that's kind of put on people who try and wait out their twenty years? Um, I don't.
1: I wouldn't say that there's a weight. But I do feel like out- outside of the military, like there people just don't understand. Like I, if oh. I'm feeling tired, my friends will be like, oh, you know, just take a sick day. And I'm like, that's, that's, not a thing. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> like that's not a thing. And I saw a meme that said that, oh, you'll never understand the difference between, you know, like not having to decide whether you're going to go to work or going to jail that day. And yeah. it was a joke military joke, but it's like um you don't have the luxury of leaving when things get hard. Yep. You um are switching out offices, but and then there's also there's not the camaraderie in the real world. Like my coworkers are they check on me. They will make sure I'm okay. We have accountability during this time frame. But my friends who are civilians who aren't working, um nobody cares. Nobody's not I'm not saying no one cares but it's not inherent to who they are to like reach out to one another and connect. And I also think that's a huge difference as well. On one hand you feel like sometimes you may feel stuck. On the other hand, it's like, this is more than a job. These, these are my, for lack of a better word, these, this is my family, like my cousins, brothers, siblings. And if something happens to one of us, it is happening to all of us. And we are all doing this together as opposed to, you know, alone in your home, struggling.
0: Yeah, I agree. I really like that aspect. Uh, Any job I've ever had, I feel like it has always been better if there is a community behind it instead of Mm -hmm. an individual mentality.
1: And this is definitely, uh, this is definitely that. And I feel like just like with the family, you can't pick who you're related to, but we're all in this together.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, next one for you. What are you grateful for?
1: I'm grateful for the support that I've gotten from mentors and during my career. People who've had my back. Um, the like even today, like Master Aunt Johnson from our squadron's been amazing. Um, soon-to-be Senior Master Sergeant Hardin, Senior Master Sergeant Asher. He's just been amazing. But I am more grateful for my airmen. Uh, They give me a sense of purpose. Um, They're out there killing the game. I mean, Airman Haran just won Tech of the Quarter in a squadron she doesn't even belong to. Like, she's just going above and beyond. Um, Curie's always going above and beyond and it's not just them i just i always tell like my family that uh, god always seems fit to bless me with the best that the air force has to offer like i don't i i just think that every and it sounds biased but i always feel like my airmen are better than everybody else that sounds so biased but <laughs> like, people are just they're just awesome like and i feel like but like, i'm not even worthy to be their supervisors That they they are they are the Air Force best and brightest, and they've always been. And this is from like when I first put on staff ten billion years ago. I've always had oh. the best.
0: <laughs> well, I do know a few good airmen who might not be yours. So there's still You're sure no. they were never mind No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There we go. Oh man. Okay, so we talked about um, a lot of the programs that you endorse. Are there any other things, maybe not military-related, that you think should be plugged as well?
1: I want to say Air Force Aid, but that's military. No, No,
0: Um, Honestly, that's important. So if it needs to be re-hit, that's totally fine.
1: um, Air Force Aid. That campaign is ending 5th of June, and it is the way for service members to help each other out. And during this time, it's it's very much needed. There are service members who have mortgages from their last duty station whose tenants can't afford rent, but their lender still expects them to pay because they are still getting a paycheck. It's like, you know, so this is a way for us to help each other and take care of each other to prevent us from having to go out and get those high interest rate loans when we're struggling. Like we're a family and families take care of each other.
0: That's awesome okay, so anybody who might need any kind of uh, help financially check out Air Force aid see what yes. we can, see what they can do for you yes okay last little bit what I like to do over here is the takeaways um, this is just my opportunity to let you know what I'm thinking about how this went, and you personally um, first off, I want to start with I am still blown away that you are so bubbly, despite not having being out you know, in the world, being social for so long. Um, that's still incredible to me. Uh, I do feel like the amount of care that you have for other people is um, almost too much, but in a good way. Um, when I hear you talking about your airmen and about all these different programs that people can take advantage of that they might not know about, I really get the sense that you want to care for a person, not because they are a member of the military, or someone in your chain of command, or anything at all, other than they are a person first and foremost. Um, I can understand why you would say that your airmen are uh, some of the best out there, (laughs) Um, But I really think that that's um, largely in part to the way that you've helped nurture them and make them feel like they have a spot and that they can accomplish more. Um, Let me ask you real quick. Do you set goals with your airmen regularly?
1: We do, but um, I don't set them. They set them and then we establish together how I can help support that and how I can help them get there.
0: See, and that's fantastic. It's it's the idea of um, it, you're walking along with them instead of turning them loose and saying, you know, you're going to go do some school or something like that. Yeah. It's actually something that has a measurable impact, but then you are able to gauge it because you're watching it happen in real time. Yeah, um, That is incredibly commendable. I think that as many people as want That want to be good leaders as there are, they don't because, I don't want to say they get selfish, but they just get, um, they have other things going on, which is totally understandable, but you've really given yourself to people. Um, Yeah, no problem at all. Um, On top of that, you are a wealth of knowledge. Uh, I'm sure that we could have this go on for three hours and you would still have other things to say, other things that can help someone else out. Um, Yeah, which is just reinforcing everything else that I have previously said. Um, So that's what I have for you.
1: (laughs) Thank you for asking me to do this. It was a pleasure, absolutely pleasure. And Airman Norman, I am so impressed by you. I am glad that I get to work alongside you.
0: Well, thank you. Hopefully I get to be a part of the squadron a little bit more soon thank you all for listening. This has been Spotlight32. If you'd like to be part of the program, you can email me at spotlight32podcast at gmail.com. We do also take questions that you would like to have asked to other people, as well as suggestions to make the show better. Thank you guys and have a good day.